Good morning, good morning. Thank you for joining us all over East Texas and even around the world. I want to encourage you to uh, continue to comment and uh, share and encourage others to join us as we jump into God's Word. And I just want to uh, just say to Paul Phillips, I was reading the comments backstage. I could not agree more. I just think everybody in their living room should have hands lifted and singing uh, just like they are in this room uh, this morning. I also want to say uh, hello to uh, Adam and Emily Kelling joining us all the way from Kigali, Rwanda. Uh, they are there as one of our missionaries with the Roots Network. And so I want to welcome Adam and Emily. Make sure you guys encourage them and let them know we're praying for them uh, in this season as well. And then I want to uh, acknowledge one very special person. I know pastors are not supposed to have favorite people in the church, but I have one. Her name is Celine Fippen, and she sent a message to us a moment ago. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Stephen, uh, her uh, father, wrote this. He said, Celine is so missing coming to church, and she said she loves her church and misses her friends. Love from Celine to all. And so, Celine, we miss you. We love you. And uh, we're glad you're joining us this morning. And listen, if you're a guest with us today, Thank you for being here. If this is your first experience with New Beginnings, it is a joy and a privilege to have you with us. We want to connect with you, and one of the ways that you can help us do that is to simply text NBBC uh, to the number 313131, NBBC to the number 313131. Uh, this will allow us to know that you are a guest with us today. It will give us an opportunity uh, to send you a gift in the mail. Uh, is, al along with that gift, we will send some resources, ways that you can connect uh, with our faith family. But thank you for being our guest. Again, text us NBBC at 313131. Uh, and we are so glad that you've joined us today. Listen, before we get started, I want to just take a moment and just to acknowledge uh, a truth in our community. Uh, we have experienced a great loss. Uh, just a few days ago, one of our pastors in the community passed away uh, in an automobile accident. Uh, he is the pastor of, of Mobley Baptist Church here in Longview. And our hearts are heavy. Our hearts are broken for the Stone family and for our Mobley uh, family. You know, the scripture says that during times of loss that we should weep with those who weep and we should mourn with those who mourn. And so I just want to say that we at New Beginnings, uh, we are grieving along with the Stone family and with our brothers and sisters at Mobley Baptist Church. I just wanted to start this morning out by just asking you to bow your heads wherever you are and let's just spend a moment praying uh, for uh, the Stone family as well as Mobley Baptist Church. Let's pray. Father, we are overwhelmed with grief and emotion. And God, we know that in the midst of this, we, we know that you are near the brokenhearted and that those who are afflicted, Lord, we know that you draw near in those seasons. So, God, we lift our brothers and sisters to you. And, God, that you would bring peace and, and comfort in this time of need. Father, we pray that uh, this church would rally together and would, uh, Father, lean in toward one another. And that the faith families all around our city and world would be lifting up prayer and, and uh, offering uh, encouragement and comfort as well uh, to our brothers and sisters in need. And Father, for um, Angie and the boys, we pray for your peace and comfort. And we ask that your hand be upon them in this time of loss. God, we, we thank you for Jesus. 
who gives us hope even in the midst of tragedy. And it's in his name that we are asking these things for our brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we are in a series called Jesus and... Um, this is kind of a, a change for us. We are, are uh, putting this series together in this time of just unprecedented season that we're in as a nation and as a church. And so we feel like to, rather than moving forward with the series that we had planned, this is now week two of this series uh, where we'll be just looking at different situations and circumstances where Jesus entered into the difficulty that people were facing in order to bring hope and help to them in their time of need. And so last week we looked at Jesus and crisis, and this morning we're going to look at Jesus and doubt. Doubt is something I believe that we all would, if we're honest, we would say that we experience and we walk through during different seasons of life. And, and, and this is a season that I know that many people are experiencing a little bit of doubt. And you say, what, what is doubt? Well, doubt, you can have several definitions of what it might be. You can say it's uncertainty or maybe it's the lack of conviction or confidence in a particular thing. But let me just make it simple for you. D doubt is simply this. Check this out. Doubt is simply when your exclamation point is replaced with a question mark. It's when your exclamation point gets re place with a question mark. So this can happen in, in various ways. You, you can be going through a, a season of struggle in a relationship, and before the struggle, you're going, they love me, exclamation point. And all of a sudden, something happens, and then you begin to ask the question, do they really love me? It might be about the future. I know that things are going to get better. To are they really going to get better? It might even be a situation where you're thinking about your own future. That there is a better day coming. So maybe the crisis gets real in your life and you begin to think, is there really a better day uh, coming? You see, all of us have seasons in our life where our exclamation point gets replaced with a question mark. But what do you do when that reality comes true in regards to the way that you feel about God and the way that you see his work in your life? What do you do in those moments where you begin to question? You go from the exclamation point of, I mean, Jesus is at work in my life to where, where is Jesus in my life right now? When you're so confident that, man, God has a plan for me too. Does he really have a plan for me? What do you do when your conviction about what God is doing, all of a sudden the exclamation point gets replaced with a question mark. How do you respond to that? Well, this morning, this is what we're going to find in the story in Luke chapter 7. There's a story where one of the greatest men, greatest leaders of all of history goes through a season of doubt. Look what the scripture says in Luke chapter 7 verse 18. This is a fascinating story. It says, the disciples of John, this is John the Baptist, the disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord. So he sends them to Jesus, saying, here's the question that he's going to ask. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they came to Jesus and they said to him, they, they just brought him them the, the message that Jesus told them to bring. John the Baptist has sent us to say to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for 
another. Now, notice what's happening here in the story. John the Baptist is in prison. He is locked up. He was placed in prison back in chapter 3. And here he is in this time of need. And, and you see something happen in the heart of John the Baptist. John's exclamation point is now replaced with a question mark. John earlier is emphatically declaring to the peoples, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In other words, he is saying Jesus is the one who was to come. And his entire ministry was proclaiming the reality that Jesus is the one. And then all of a sudden in this season of difficulty, you see John's exclamation point replaced with a question mark. He goes from you are the one to this question, are you really the one? I've I've put all of my hope in the fact that you're the one. And now in this season, I'm wondering, are, are you really the one or should we be looking for another? And I think this is important for us to understand because you've got to recognize who it is that's asking the question. You see, there are sometimes where people ask certain questions and you go, man, I expect that from them. But the question that John the Baptist is asking is a question that you really don't expect from a man like John the Baptist. Just think about his resume just for a moment. John is a prophet of God who is prophesied about in the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets were telling us, hey, there's, there's this man coming, this, this, this leader, this prophet, and he is going to make straight the path when the Messiah comes. So he is the forerunner of the Messiah. Another thing about John the Baptist is this. It's not only is, is he prophesied in the Old Testament, but his birth was actually announced by angels. I don't know what your birth announcement looked like. Your parents probably just picked up the phone and called or maybe texted some friends or maybe sent some cards out. But John actually had an angel from heaven show up to his father and say, hey, your, your wife is with child and this is going to be a prophet. And so you have this unbelievable uh, announcement of his birth. You, you also have um, a moment where John is still in the womb and he's actually worshiping in the womb. Uh, he's there in Elizabeth, his mother's uh, womb, and uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, shows up with Jesus in the womb, and it says that John leapt inside of her. In other words, he recognized the presence of the Messiah even in the womb. But not only that, if all of those things did not validate the faith of John the Baptist, Jesus a little later is going to say that, that there has been no man born of a woman greater than John the Baptist. Now, I know some of you are listening to this, and your mama's been telling you your whole life that you are the greatest man ever born of a woman, but John the Baptist already has that title. In fact, if John uh, was going to wear a t-shirt, it might say something like, who is the greatest man born of a woman, and with two thumbs going, this guy. That's the type of shirt John would wear. Say, so what's the point of all of this? John the Baptist, with this resume of being this great leader, this great man of faith that was prophesied about, announced by uh, angels, worshiped in the womb, greatest man born of a woman according to Jesus is a man who's going through a season of doubt. Despite all of this, he's facing doubt. You say, what is the point of all of this? Here's the point I want you to see. Is that even those who have the greatest faith, even those who are most bold in their faith, will face times and seasons of great difficulty. And when those times comes, often our hearts will be filled with doubt. You can see this throughout uh, history, some of the greatest heroes and spiritual giants, people that we would recognize with unshakable faith, went through seasons of doubt. Some of my favorite heroes, C.S. Lewis, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther, Charles Spurgeon. These are all great men and women of God who did incredible things, and yet they went through seasons of doubt. So here is what I want you to know. If you are going through a season of doubt right now, I want you to take comfort because 
men and women like you and me and Mother Teresa and Charles Spurgeon and John the Baptist will face seasons of doubt. The, the question we need to be asking ourselves is this, what causes these seasons of doubt? I mean, what, what causes us to go through seasons like John the Baptist is in and like many of you might be in? Well, there's a couple of things that we find in the story that I think we got to lean into if we're going to understand why doubt enters into our life. There are three, at least three potential causes of doubt in John's heart just in this story right here. You see that, that John is, is facing a couple of dilemmas. Here's the first one I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Uncertainty about the future. Oftentimes, uncertainty about the future can create doubt in us. Think about this. John is in prison. He's been there now for a while. And he's wondering, am I going to make it through this? Am I going to live? Am I going to die? Am I going to get out of this thing? And so think about this all alone in isolation for a season of, of his life. And now he's wondering what's going to happen to me. And now because of this, maybe just maybe this is bringing about some of the doubt in his life. Here's another one. Write this one down. Undesirable circumstances. I mean, think about John's situation. John is in prison. He is in a dungeon, a hole in the ground by himself. He's probably poorly nourished, may have been beaten and whipped. He's being mistreated. He's being made a spectacle in front of uh, the king's people. And here he is, and he is there simply because he was faithful to proclaim the word of God. I mean, here John is in prison in these undesirable circumstances. And think about this. If you were in his situation, would you also not be thinking to yourself, why am I here? What is going on? What, what in the world have I done to deserve this? I mean, this is what John is facing in this situation. Here's another one. This is one that I think we need to really lean into is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. I want you to listen to what happens in verse 18. Don't miss the language here in what John does. He says, the disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples, sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Now think about the language here. There was something about the report that John received from his disciples about Jesus that caused him to have his exclamation point replaced with a question mark come to surface. John gets this report and it says, having heard the report, he then sent his disciples asking this question. So there was something about what Jesus was doing and something about what Jesus was not doing that led to the doubt in John's you say, what could that be? Well, John's theology about the coming of the Messiah would have been in line with the common thought of the day. That Jesus was going to come in and usher the, the, the kingdom of God in and that he would overthrow the enemy. In fact, he, here's what you find earlier on, um, just before John is put into prison. I want you to listen to the message he preaches here. Luke chapter 3, verse 16, it says, John answered them all. He's preaching this sermon, and this is what he says. I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not unworthy to untie. In other words, I cannot even lace up his Jordans. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable 
fire. So here is what's happening. John is expecting the Messiah to come in to overthrow the Roman government, to realign the religious establishment, to bring judgment to the sinners, and to establish a throne where he will rule and reign over the earth, ushering in the fullness of God's kingdom. But when Jesus shows up on the scene, John is watching this ministry, and here he is in prison, And here is what he's hearing, that Jesus is not judging sinners, but he's hanging out with sinners. That he's not overthrowing the the, the Roman Empire, but rather he's saying, render what is Caesar to Caesar and what is the Lord's to the Lord. He's he's not uh, uh, realigning the religious establishment, rather he is in open dialogue about theological matters with them. You see, John, John is confused because there is unmet expectations. And oftentimes in our life when there are unmet expectations, things that we want God to do, the things that we think God should do, the things that we are hoping for, when those things don't happen like we want them to happen, oftentimes it creates in our heart a season of doubt where we begin to question, God, are you really at work in my life? Are you really in control of all things? And here is the reality. We have to be honest. All of us bring to the table a level of expectations, things that we want God to do, things that we expect God to do, even our will sometimes being imposed on the will of God. And when this happens in our life and our expectations aren't met, what happens is is that doubt often rises within our hearts and we are left in this dilemma of our question mark now covering our life. And this is where we find John. And and listen to this. I want to make sure we, we see something here. Part of what's happening in John's life is what happens in our life, is that John is viewing the world from a limited perspective. You say, what do you mean? That oftentimes, because there there are these expectations that we have with our limited perspective, we don't really know where God is going. We don't know uh, what God is doing, but God is sovereignly reigning above all things, and he sees where things are moving. We have a limited perspective. And so in John's case, the, the question we ask is, is Jesus ultimately going to defeat the enemy? The answer is yes. Is he ultimately going to deal with sin? And the answer is absolutely yes. Is he going to deal with the religious system? And the answer is yes. But what John didn't see from his viewpoint, from his vantage point, is is that Jesus' initial coming was not for him to wear a crown, but to bear a cross so that he can deal with the sin of humanity. That Jesus came to to defeat the greatest enemy, which was sin and death, not just overthrow Rome from power. That Jesus did not come to realign the religious system. Jesus came to do away with the religious system. That Jesus will one day sit on his throne, but there is going to be a movement of the kingdom of God coming over time before we see that on earth as it is in heaven. And so John, with this limited perspective, misses it. And listen to me, I want to encourage you in seasons of doubt, when you are going through the the trials, when the marriage is falling apart, when you get the call that the loved one has passed away, when the, the economics collapse and you don't know where you're going to get your next meal, in the midst of those moments, doubt is very real and doubt can creep in. But here's what I want you to know, is that in the midst of all of that, we have limited perspective, but God is still at work. And so these are reasons I believe we doubt. Uncertainty about the future, undesirable circumstances, and unmet expectations. But here is the real question we need to be asking. 
Here is where we got to kind of drive into this and kind of lean in and say, okay, so, so doubt is going to come. At times in my life, there's going to be an exclamation point of God is this. He's doing this. I'm anticipating this. And that's going to be replaced with a question mark. And there's going to be a variety of reasons that bring us to that place. So what do we do when we get there? Well, I want to, I want to, get you to write a couple of things down. There are some things we learn from John here in this story that help us know what to do in those seasons of doubt. And here's the first one. I want you to write this down. What do we do when we doubt? First of all, we run to Jesus with our doubt. I want to encourage you to run to Jesus with your doubt. Run to Jesus. This is what we see John uh, do. He, he takes his doubt straight to Jesus. He, he says to his disciples, I want you right now to go to Jesus and I want you to ask him this question. Are you the one or should I be looking for another? In other words, John didn't bury his doubt and try to spiritualize the moment. John got honest with himself. But more than that, John got honest with Jesus and he took the doubt straight to Jesus. Now, oftentimes we won't do that because we feel like if we express the doubt that we're going through, that somehow we're doubting Jesus and we don't believe in him, and he's going to be disappointed with us. But I want you to read later on in the story how Jesus responds to John's doubt. Listen to this. I love this. In verse 24, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So they have this dialogue. John's disciples leave, and Jesus then turns to the crowd, and he's going to address them. He's going to talk about John. He says, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. If you know anything about John the Baptist, he had a terrible taste in clothing. Um, behold, uh, those who are dressed uh, in, in splendid clothing, live in luxury, are in the king's court. We know that John just kind of wandered through the wilderness. Verse 26, what did you go in then to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. He will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of a woman, none, none, everybody say none in your home, none is greater than John. Yet those who are least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What is Jesus doing in this moment? Don't miss this. John runs to Jesus with his doubt. And what John finds from Jesus in the midst of his doubt is not a rebuke from Jesus saying, how in the world could you preach these messages and have all of these uh, statements that you've been making now to come to a place of doubt? No, no, no. What Jesus does is he's going to answer John's question and then he's going to affirm John's faith and ministry. And here's what I want you to know this morning. If you're going through a season of doubt and you run to Jesus with your doubt, you're not going to find a Jesus who will rebuke you, but rather he will embrace you and he will affirm you and he will speak words of life and hope into you in the midst of the struggle that you are facing. You see, I think oftentimes we confuse doubt with disbelief, but doubt and disbelief are not the same thing. Oftentimes we think that if I have a question mark in my faith that somehow God is disappointed because I've gone into the realm of disbelief. I want you to listen to what one author said about this. Listen to this. She writes, unbelief is the decision to live your life as if there is no God. It is a deliberate decision to reject Jesus Christ and all that he stands for. But doubt is something quite different. 
Doubt arises within the context of faith. It is a wistful longing to be sure of the things in which we trust. You see, here is the reality. Doubt comes from within our faith, not disbelief. You see, here's the thing. Doubt oftentimes can can be the thing that God uses to strengthen and deepen the faith that already exists in our life. The question marks oftentimes cause us to press into the work that God is doing so that when we walk out of those seasons because of the doubt, we walk out of there with a deeper faith, more rooted and more grounded in what God has for us. Uh, our lives. I was thinking about this uh, illustration I'll use. I was thinking of a ton of illustrations, but I don't think you can get better illustrations than you find in the Bible. And in uh, Mark, there is this story of, um, of, of this man who's got a son, who's got a health condition. He's also have some evil, evil spirits in his uh, life. And so uh, Jesus is up and he's uh, having this, uh, this moment of transfiguration on the mountain. The disciples are there. They're trying to uh, heal this boy. Jesus comes down the mountain and he sees that the disciples are powerless against the spirits, against the sickness. And so he walks up and says, boys, what are you doing? And they're saying, man, we can't do anything to bring about healing in this boy. And Jesus kind of goes, hey, get out of the way. Let me step in. And there the father is with his son. And Jesus is in this moment, and Jesus is basically saying to this father, how long has he been like this? And the father begins to tell the story of what's going on, and then Jesus asks this question, do you want me to heal your boy? Of course, the father is yes, but the father's response is this. I want you to listen to the response. The father says, if you are able, heal him. Not, I believe that you can. Not, I have all kinds of faith that you can. No, no, no. There was some doubt in his heart of whether or not Jesus could do what he's offering. And so Jesus looks at him and says this. It says, if I can, to him who believe all things are possible. And I want you to listen to the father's response. I love this story. The father then looks at Jesus, understanding that he has got a mountain of doubt, but he's got a little bit of faith. And he says to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. In other words, man, I do believe, but there are doubts that have just overcome, and I don't feel like that, that there's a way out of this, but I'm, I'm believing. I got a little bit of faith, and I got a whole lot of doubt, and I love this. Jesus doesn't rebuke the man. What does he do? He heals the father's son in the moment. In other words, Jesus took the little bit of faith and the mountain of doubt, and what did Jesus do? He brought about healing in the moment. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. If you've got a mountain of doubt in your life, I want you to bring that mountain of doubt to Jesus because Jesus will take whatever little faith you have and listen, and he will move mountains with that faith. So run to Jesus with your doubt. Here's number two. Write this down. What do we do when we doubt? Listen, we rest in the promises of God. We rest in the promises of God. Listen to what Goes on, he goes on to say in the story, now there's going to be this moment where Jesus responds to the question. Look at verse 22 again. And he answered them. So Jesus is responding here. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And so here's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus says, I want you to go tell John what you've witnessed. And earlier on, it just says in the middle of that, Jesus was performing miracles. And, and then Jesus says, tell, go tell him what you're witnessing. And then he gives a list. And here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus, in this moment, is paraphrasing for John's disciples a portion of Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. 
These passages are dealing with prophecies about what the Messiah would do when he shows up. So Jesus is answering the question of John's doubt by pointing him to Scripture. And I want you to read just for a moment Isaiah 35. Listen, Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6. Listen very closely to the language here and compare it to what Jesus just said. He says this, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. Uh, Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open the prison to those who are bound. Now, notice two important details here. There are two things that I want you to see here. The first is this, is that Jesus is responding to John's question by pointing him to the scriptures. Jesus is in essence saying to John, John, you're asking the question, am I the one to come? So let me just tell you, man, what, what, what is written about me in the scriptures is coming to fulfillment. If you'll look at my ministry and you'll look at the promises that God has laid out about what I'm going to do, listen, you will see that I am fulfilling the promises of God in your very day. I am the one who was to come. And he's answering the question from Scripture, but the second thing I want you to notice is that he's giving John an answer as to why he's still in prison. If you read this list again and you compare it to what Jesus is saying, Jesus leaves out one statement in Isaiah. It says, and the prisoner will be set free or the captive will be set free. Jesus leaves that out in his answer to John. In other words, here's what he says to John. John, yes, I am the one. And John, no, you're not getting out. John, I want you to know that you can rest in my promises. I want you to know that what has been said about me and what you've been proclaiming and what you've been living for, I want you to know that your faith has been worth it and and that I am who you've said I am. I am who the scriptures have been pointing to, the one who is to come to set the captives free and to heal the the blind, to give sight to the blind, to heal the lame. All of those things are true. But John, I'm not going to set the captives free right now. And here's what we know. We ultimately know that every captive is set free in Christ. But he was answering John's question by pointing him to the promises of Scripture. And he's helping John understand in the midst of the season you are in, I'm encouraging you to rest in the promises, even in the prison. Rest in the promises, even in prison. The prisons. And listen to me, church family. There, there are so many of us that we go through seasons of life and we have all of these question marks. And how do we handle these question marks? How do we respond to these moments in our life when we don't know what God is doing? So let me just help you with this. For some of you, this morning, you're going through a season where you're thinking, man, God has abandoned me. But the promises of God say this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. For some of you, you're thinking, I don't know that God has a plan for my life But here's what I need you to remember that in Philippians, he says that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. That's a promise of God for you. This for some of you in the season of life right now, you're saying, again, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. I don't know if God will provide. And what the promises of God say to you this morning is I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory. Is that in the season of doubt you are in, when you run to Jesus with your doubt, you can rest in the promises of God's word, of his scripture, knowing that 
that every promise that God has made finds its yes and amen in Jesus Christ. I love what one pastor said in Seasons of Doubt. You need to look at the promises of God. And when you look at the promises of God, you need to doubt your doubts. This leads me to number three. So we run to Jesus with our doubt. We rest in the promises of God. And then we remain faithful even in the unknown. We remain faithful even in the unknown. Here's the reality of John's story. And this is the part that sometimes we don't like. John doesn't get out of prison. In fact, if you read the rest of the story, John is going to die there. He is going to actually have his head removed, all because of his faithfulness to the Word of God and to confront sin in the culture. So John never gets out, but here's what you find in the story is that this man who brings these questions to Jesus, he remains faithful. In other words, John never recants. All he has to do to get out of prison is to, is to, to apologize, to repent to the king and say, I shouldn't have done this, and, and I'm sorry for this, and I won't do this again. If he would have remained in his doubt and moved from his doubt to unbelief, then John would have walked away from all of this and would have lived a long, happy life. But what do we find? John dies in prison. Why? Because John remained faithful to Jesus, even in the unknown. And listen, I believe for all of us in the room and watching today, we need to remember, whether you're a staff member or whether you're a church member or maybe you're a person, you just tuned in right now and you're watching this and you've been disconnected from church for years. Here's what I want you to know in the midst of your unknown. What I know of God and what is revealed in his word about him and what he has done for us in Christ is enough for us to trust him and to hang on to him even with our question mark, even in the unknown. The truth is, is that there are seasons of life where we are in those moments of doubt and crisis and we're going to run to Jesus and we're going to hang on to the promises of God and our circumstances aren't going to change. The marriage isn't going to reconcile. There, there's not going to be a miraculous provision of, of economic um, stability that's going to cause you not to go through seasons maybe of suffering. You, you may not get the healing that you're looking for, but in the unknown you can trust in the God who does know. And here, here's, here's what I, I believe. True faith, listen to this, isn't the absence of doubt. It's remaining faithful despite our doubt. And oftentimes our doubt outweigh our faith, but we must remain faithful even with that doubt. And I heard a story a few years ago, a pastor out of California, Greg Laurie, lost his son tragically and, um, and he just wrestled with and I, I, the, the, the loss of his son and the grief that he was going through and the uncertainty about why God allowed this to happen. And he, here is what Greg Laurie said, his, his advice to those who are going through seasons of doubt because of great loss. Here's what he says. He says, don't trade what you do know for what you don't know. Don't trade what you do know for what you don't know. He says that through this season of, of loss, he said, I was just, I didn't know why. I didn't know if I was going to make it through. I didn't know if there was going to be hope on the other side. I, I didn't know if the grieving would ever stop. And he says, but I had to, in that moment, say, I, I'm not going to trade what I do know for what I don't know. I'm going to hang on to Jesus. 
because I do know he's in control. And I just want to read a couple of thoughts to you today, and maybe some of these will resonate with you in whatever doubt you're facing in your home or coffee shop or wherever you might find yourself today watching online. Some of you are asking yourself this question, and you're having this doubt of, I don't know if I'll ever love again, but I do know that Jesus loves me. I don't know if I will ever be normal. I don't know if I'll ever make it through this season. But what I do know is that God will provide my every need. I don't know if I'll be healed, but I do know that the, that the grave has been defeated. I don't know why this is happening, but I do know that Jesus has a plan for me. I don't know what to do next, but I know that he is sovereign. I don't know how to move forward, but I know that he is with me. I don't know if the pain will ever go away, but I do know that he will sustain me even in the pain. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I do know that through him I can endure all things. Here's what I want you to know this morning, wherever you are. Jesus can be trusted even in the midst of your doubt. And you can run to him and you can hold on to his promises, and you can remain faithful even when the question mark isn't erased as quickly as you would like for it to be erased. There are some of you watching online today, and the truth of your life is this, is that it's not just doubt that you're walking in, it's disbelief. It doesn't mean you don't believe in Jesus. It doesn't mean that you don't even uh, practice things that would be considered spiritual or religious. It just means that there's never been a moment in your life where you've come to reality that your sin separates you from God and you've never really trusted in the fact that God sent his son Jesus to die in your place. That he is the only hope that you have of having your sins forgiven and removed. That, that God wants a relationship with you and you've never trusted in the way in which that relationship can happen and that is through a saving knowledge of Jesus where you acknowledge to him, I am a sinner. I am separated from you because of my sin. And God, there's nothing I can do to fix it. But Jesus died and he resurrected. And if I trust in him, my sins will be forgiven and I will receive new life and I will enter into a relationship with you forever. And if you're watching this morning, I want you to hear me say this. It is no accident this morning that you've tuned in. It is no accident that your screen in this moment is a place where you are hearing again the gospel of Jesus. If you have never trusted him as your Lord and Savior and you know in your heart right now, I need a Savior, I need Jesus, I've never trusted him, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die, I want you to know you, you have come to the right place online today. And I believe that right now where you are, regardless of where you are, Jesus has created this appointment so that you might be forgiven and you might be saved. And right now, if that is you, I want to encourage you just to bow your head. Just to bow your head. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you just to pray a simple prayer. And I want you to know before you pray it, uh, repeating this prayer is not what brings salvation, but your confession of your sin and your acknowledgement of Jesus' death and resurrection as your only hope. That is what salvation, where salvation is found. This prayer is just a way for me to help you where you are to express what is happening in your heart. So if that is what's going on in you right now, bow your heads. I want you to pray this simple prayer. Jesus, 
I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that you died for my sin. And I know that there is no way for me to be forgiven apart from your death. Jesus, I believe that you resurrected. And I'm asking you to be the king of my life. To live inside of me. To give me a relationship with the God that made me. And God, right now, I'm asking you to save me. Come into my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed this prayer, I'm asking you right now. Right now, wherever you are, grab your phone. And I'm going to ask you to text me to let me know that you've made this decision to follow Jesus. We want to send some resources to you and celebrate this with you. And I believe it's important for you in this moment, if this is a decision you're making and you're serious about trusting Christ and having him as your Savior, I'm going to encourage you right now, text NBBC to the number 313131 right now. Grab your phone, NBBC to the number 313131. We want to celebrate this with you. We want to connect with you and send you some resources about what the next steps of your life look like. And we, I want you to know that we are celebrating with you, our team that's here. And I, I believe even more than that, all of heaven is rejoicing with you in this moment. And listen, for those of you who are in the season of doubt, and maybe the doubt is because of a, a particular struggle that you have, and you just say, listen, I just need prayer. I know Jesus. I just need someone to pray for me then you also can text us NBBC three, at 313131, NBBC at the number 313131, and just text your prayer request into us. Let us know what's going on. How can we pray for you if you're in a season of doubt? We want to shoulder that with you. We want to petition for you. And we've got men and women waiting right now to take those requests to Jesus on your behalf. So text us NBBC at 313131. Listen, I am so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us today. And I pray that God's word has been an encouragement to you. And if it has been an encouragement to you, I'm going to encourage you to get involved with New Beginnings by maybe uh, making a gift, a contribution to the ministry here. God is using us even now all over East Texas and the world to make much of Jesus. Even in the midst of coronavirus, the Great Commission is moving forward here. And so I would encourage you, if you're a part of the New Beginnings family, uh, please uh, uh, follow the, the instructions that we're going to give in just a few moments about ways that you can give and contribute and be a part of the great work. And maybe you're not a part of our church, but you're blessed by the ministry that you're experiencing. We want to encourage you as well. If you feel compelled to give, then we're going to encourage you. Help us advance the Great Commission during this time of crisis by contributing to the work that Jesus is doing. Listen, I want to pray over you. I'm going to ask God to bless you. And I pray that today has been an encouragement. We want New Beginnings to be a place of hope and help for you. Father of heaven and earth, we thank you now in the name of Jesus that, that there have been thousands that have joined in today to view our services. God, I pray for those who trusted you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that they would have the courage to share that news with their family and their friends and via text with us. And Father, we're going to lift up all of those who are making prayer requests. And God, we thank you that you're a God that meets us in the midst of our doubt. We trust in you, and we thank you for all of this, and we ask this in the great name of Jesus. And wherever you are, you say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Amen.